Attention radio listeners. Oh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You weren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Bayheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. And good morning. This is uh, Danny Shays here on Centers of Attention with Seth Goldberg sitting in and Roosevelt Bowie will be joining us here uh, in a few minutes for most of the show. Uh, and, um, you know, Seth, it's uh, usually, you know, after a game, you get excited. You got a lot to talk about. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, you get juiced up and ready. And we are going to have a lot to talk about, but that doesn't mean we're excited. Uh, it was not a great uh, effort last night, uh, you know, and, and you know me, I'm the silver lining guy. I'm always looking for the, uh, you know, the, the the positive thing we can take from it, the what it means. And uh, but but even I, as we go through kind of play by play, uh, I'm struggling to find the silver lining uh, from last night. Yeah, I was going to ask what what you have. What, what are you bringing today? Uh, it, it's a it's a tough game to find a silver lining in. You know, I, I guess um, one if you really lo- if you really want to look hard, Marek Dolajai in the first half put together a pretty good stretch where he looked confident. Um, you know, in, in putting shots up, but um, it, it wasn't it wasn't good what what they did last night, and they did it in their home building against again Dania, a Power Five team that is good but not great. Exactly. These are games that a good Syracuse team should win. And here's the, uh, you know, I think here's my silver lining. Okay, you ready? You sitting down? I here's am. My silver lining. So this team is going to sit down and watch film from last night, and they're going to look at every play individually and how they could have made a different play and had a really different outcome. This was a winnable game for this team last night, but the but at the end of the day, and we'll talk about this in, in detail. Uh, as we break down position by position. But at the end of the day, the the two things that are lacking fundamentally is, one, the effort was not there. I was surprised by, especially in the second half, kind of a real lack of intensity. You saw the uh, Iowa point guard standing out there at the top of the key, looking, 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 finally making a pass for an easy shot uh, with no pressure. And we saw that time and time again. And uh, we saw, uh, you know, Garza, the leading scorer, 6'11", going box to box behind the zone. And it didn't seem like anyone knew he was on the court. Uh, like nobody even saw he was there for, you know, got easy bucket after easy bucket. So, you know, they're going to look at this and they're going to see that, you know, this is fixable. Uh, you know, but on the, bo- uh, and the, uh, the bottom line is they've got some very fundamental elements that they're just not executing, uh, that, you know, that need to be fixed. And, yeah, it's a long year. You know, nobody's, uh, you know, jumping off the bandwagon, as it were. Uh, it's a long year, but it's a tough year. You know, the, as you mentioned, we've got some, uh, some tough games early in the season, which we haven't had before. We've got a lot of freshmen coming into the mix. Uh, who have to step up and get better. Uh, we have guys who are great shooters, not shooting very well. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've got bigs who aren't, who aren't playing very big. So, uh, so these are things that, that are correctable. You have, a, obviously, a legendary coach who's, uh, you know, who's talked from the beginning, this is going to be a project to rebuild this team with, uh, you know, the young talent. Uh, and, and so, like I said, when you watch the game individually, the last night uh, was a was you know frankly just a poor effort and poor uh, and a poor execution 
in the effort. Like I said, just some very basic things from setting screens to balancing the floor to, you know, making good passes to taking good shot selection. You know, some basic elements they just didn't execute very well. And so there's there's going to be a lot of cleanup. I think there's even going to be kind of some go back to the drawing board elements, uh, you know, like I said, when we break down the individual parts of this game. You know, Danny, you mentioned something, and, and I'm curious for your thoughts, even though I, I know you probably never went through it a ton, Rosie, you probably never had this happen, but you mentioned good shooters who just aren't making shots right now. Uh, you've certainly had teammates who, who that has happened to. What's the best remedy for it? Is, is it just get up as many shots as possible? Like, is, is there something you can do? Well, there's there's two parts of this. Number one is the shooters are, are missing badly. You know, it's one thing when you're a little bit off, oh, my shots are short, and, you know, a good miss, you know, skims the front of the rim, you know, or it's a little short, a little long. But we're talking about straight-on three-pointers watching Joe Girard last night that, you know, that barely hit the right side of the rim. You know, they're, they're two feet off line. Uh, Bryson Goodine shoots a three that lands in the crack, you know, between the rim and the backboard. Uh, you know, Wedgie. Just not, yeah, I mean, there, there. It, I mean, really, is bricklaying. I mean, you know, it's for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, they are. They're, they're just, they're just throwing bricks. And, and uh, one of the fix of that is better rhythm and range shots. You know, the, and Rosie and I talked about this earlier. Like I said, when he joins us here in a few minutes, uh, we'll talk about this in detail. But our bigs are not setting good screens to to free guys open. Uh, we're not running action, you know, moving the ball quickly to get guys good you know, rhythm and range shots. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to make excuses for shooters because, um, you know, you got, uh, you know, a, f- a guard line here between Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard, which, you know, are some of the best shooters uh, you'll find in the country. But they're just, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're not even good misses. You know, it's not like saying, oh, they're a little bit off. These shots are fall. I mean, we're shooting. We're, we're bricklaying. And, yeah. and, uh, and a lot of that has to do, like I said, with, you know, getting rhythm shots. Sure, you press, you know, things aren't going well, you, you, you force a shot up that you really shouldn't or you rush a shot, uh, you know, you, if you look at, you know, breakdown form, guys, they'll shoot, they'll, they'll, instead of holding their follow through, they'll flick and, and start re- you know, retreating on their heels, so balls tend to float. And, um, you know, when you break it down into that level. But, uh, you know, like I said, bottom line, the flow isn't there. Our bigs aren't, do not set good screens at all uh, to free guys up. There's almost no, no screening action. It's just kind of two ships passing in the night. Uh, and as a result, we're just not breaking our guys open, uh, either through ball movement or through, like I said, uh, you know, good screening action to get guys good rhythm shots. Yeah, you know, Danny, there's one that I, I wanted to ask you about as far as a, a screen and roll and a big man, because I, I know you you certainly have thoughts about this, and, and Rosie just got in studio, and we'll, we'll hear from him in a little bit. But um, there was one play in particular in the first half. Elijah is running a pick and roll. He's got Barama setting the screen. Barama goes, rolls to the basket. He's got a clear open lane. Uh, Elijah puts the pass shoulder high right on his hands. It goes through his hands out of bounds. I mean, that's just really tough to get over, right? Well, it is. And, uh, you know, you got a guy in Sidibe who's played very limited minutes the last couple of years through both injury and you know, playing behind other guys. So he's developing rhythm. And I, there was a, there were, I would say, probably half a dozen plays watching the game last night where either, again, not being alert, not realizing he's open, not used to getting the ball, uh, you know, just didn't have his hands up ready to be a catcher. Uh, you know, we talk about Dolajai and, and, you know, where he looked more aggressive in the first half. You know, he has to, you know, kind of change his game 
to be a you know to be an offensive threat on every play. You know, he needs to be you know a leading scorer more than just a setup guy, which he's been in the past. Because this team does have limited options. Uh, you know the you know the post game, the Iowa coach and players talk specifically about. Look, we just concentrated on three guys. We know there are other guys. You know the other guys can't beat us, and that's something you and I talked about in the pre games. Uh, you know, from the beginning, very quickly, teams are going to pick up through scouting that this is what you do. You pressure Eliza Hughes, you get chest up on the shooters, and who's going to beat you? And you play three on five, and uh, or five on three actually. You know, and then you let uh, let Sadibe and, and Dolajai go nuts. Well, for them, going nuts is eight points and nine points, or you know, twelve points last right. night. So, you know, so Dolajai has to be a real threat. Uh, and uh, Brahma Sadibe has to be alert on every play. He has to be a scoring option on every play, whether he gets it or not. He has to occupy defenders. He has to be a you know be a, a threat on the offensive glass, uh, running the floor. So, you know, these are the kind of things where they're just not you know playing an alert, aggressive, confident style of play right now. No, they're not. And and I think that you hit on the 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 really important part, the confidence. And and we'll see if if Joe Girard and Buddy Bayheim can can build that confidence back up, but one for nine combined from three last night. Um, you know, the the guy who looked confident oddly enough, it was Marek Dolja. And and how many times Danny have we talked about him not looking confident and that being an issue? Exactly. And he has to if anything, he has to increase that. He has to view himself as a 20-point a game scorer. Uh, in this team, you know, again, this is a team that's having a hard time scoring 60 points. Uh, and, uh, you know, a point a minute is like a thing. You're going, oh, they have more than a point a minute. They're scoring pretty well, um, you know, which is pretty pathetic, frankly, in, in real life. And, uh, you know, but Dolajai has to view himself as a 20 point a game score. He has to, you know, he made a few plays early, went coast to coast, he, uh, steal and dunk. Uh, you know, you know, he had a wide open three, net knocked it down. You know, he has to be able to make those plays. You know, every time down to be that that kind of offensive threat, almost shoot first, pass second, kind of thing. Because again, teams are just gonna they watch us play. They watched the Iowa game last night and said, "Oh, this is easy. We're gonna double team Elijah Hughes. We're gonna chest up on the two shooters. They can't score." And uh, you know, it's a pretty simple formula if if Marek doesn't you know add that that element. And him as a shoot first, pass second guy probably still passes a lot. Exactly. Exactly. Because he's moving, he's getting offensive boards, he's a uh, good guy getting involved anyway. And uh, and as this team gets better at moving the ball, Coach Beheim, you know, com- you know, his biggest complaint is that we're just not moving the ball, move the people, right? With simple formula you and I have talked about in the past on a lot of the pregame shows uh, about, uh, you know, passing game offense, right? Move the ball, move the people. That's how you end up uh, you know, getting guys open, and right now uh, they're not doing that. Early shots, quick shots, shots you know that are contested. You know, Dolajai can still you know make two passes uh, and still be an offensive threat if the ball goes side to side. You know, instead of attacking the strong side, the side where the, the ball is originally, the defense is set. They're got you teed up. You got to swing the ball quickly. Now, when the defense is is closing out and adjusting, you have driving lanes and and, and shooting lanes. Uh, but if you're trying to attack the strong side, you know, dribble drive with the deep, against a set defense, which you saw a lot, Elijah Hughes do last night, kind of put his head down, going you know one ultimately one on three, you know, getting to the rim, uh, and had half a dozen shots that you know rolled in and out. 
you know, again, that's a tough way to play. The, the best time to make that drive is when the ball has swung twice. You got guys running at you to close out, and now you can drive, and there's big gaps in the defense. And, and, and right now the team is just, just not showing that patience. They're not showing that level of execution or really even fundamental understanding uh, and again, without getting screening action from from any of the bigs, it's hard to get uh, you know shooters open. These aren't guys who create their own shots as much as like a Tyus Battle did last year. Yeah, they don't have that shot creator the same way that that Tyus or O'Shea uh, really were last year. They they don't have that ability on this year's team. Exactly, they got to rely on ball movement and quick ball movement too. The other thing that kills. Uh, you know, a passing game, a motion offense is those exploration dribbles. You know, where you make the catch and you make one dribble into the seam and then you pass it to the next guy who makes one dribble into the seam and then pass it to the next guy. Because all that does is allow the defense to recover. You know, the ball has to, you know, what we used to call in the old days, hot potato. You know, ooh, I got to get out of my hands quick. Pass, pass, pass. Swing side to side because you can, as you know, move the ball a lot faster than you can move the defense, Right. Right. And uh, and this is just, again, these kind of these basic elemental parts of the game. Uh, this team is just not executing on either end. Uh, their defense is not uh, is not Syracuse defense, as I make my air quotes that nobody can see. It's not a you know t- typical Syracuse defense. There's no pressure on the ball. There's no, uh, like I said, big, big seeing, uh, you know, what's going on inside. It, it, here's the other interesting thing. There's a big misconception about playing zone defense. And the misconception is that I guard my area, right? And that's actually not how zone defense works. It's still five guys guarding five guys. I just get my defensive assignments by who's in my area instead of matching up against Joe Schmo, and he's my guy, right? But it's still five guys guarding five guys, and your defensive you know, your defensive rules still apply. You know, last night I'm watching I'm watching Barama Sidibe uh, manning the middle of the zone, you know, at a, in a kind of a high position, which they like to set it. And they got Garza going box to box, you know, behind you know, on the low, like almost beneath the backboard. And it's almost like he's invisible. Nobody even notices he's back there. He's their leading scorer. He's 6'11", 260. And he's just kind of walking back and forth like nobody even knows he's on the court. You know, it's still five guys guarding five guys. And that's what, you know, again, just some of these really basic critical elements uh, are just not working. So uh, so let's do this. Let's take our first break. Uh, we'll we'll uh, get Rosie here on. We'll, we'll talk about some of the, uh, you know, position-by-position breakdowns of the game. And uh, then at the bottom of the hour, we'll, we'll take a little break. We'll talk some NBA and some exciting stuff going on. And, and, uh, and that's, what, that's a great day today. So, so hang on. We'll be right back on Centers of Attention. I'm Danny Shays. We'll be back with Roosevelt Bowie right after this. This is Centers of Attention with a Tom Thomas and Danny Shays. And welcome back to Centers of Attention, brought to you today by Mattress Express, home of the number bed by Instant Comfort. And don't forget, we got Wegman's Lights on the Lake. Come out for the two-mile drive through the light display at Onondaga Lake Park, Central New York's number one holiday tradition. Open seven days, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., and for more info, go to lightsonthelake.com. That's a, uh, that's a fantastic exhibit. I'm looking forward to getting into town and checking that one out. And now we are back with Roosevelt Bowie, the original center of attention here at, uh, uh, in the Bayheim era. 
And uh, Rosie, it was uh, uh, we were talking earlier. It was a tough one to watch last night, and, and kind of by position by position, it was uh, you know I don't know that anybody really played great. You know, a couple guys uh, you know held their own, but uh, you know, but overall, it was a tough night last night. You know, it was a tough night, and I was listening to you talk about. Uh, and we we, we chat a little bit earlier about my thoughts and what's going on there. Um, I think that uh, everybody's got to remember last year this time those guys were in high school chasing girls or playing basketball or both. Uh, so a lot of the guys that you have to depend on for for big output. Um, so they're you know they they they've got a uh, they got the old shock, shock and awe treatment. They jumped out there and. Um, Welcome to uh, Division One basketball. Uh, the, the thing well, that I noticed the most uh, that that I always look at things from a, from a center's point of view because I'm a firm believer in do the things that are within your control. So having said that, I uh, I look at somebody that's gonna. We've got amazing shooters on, on on Syracuse's team, not shooting too well now. But if you look at why they are shooting well, because you've got a man. Very athletic, standing in your sh- uh, standing in your footprints. How are you going to get a shot up when you got a guy that's maybe bigger, more athletic, standing right where you want to be? And as soon as you raise the ball over your head, he's trying to he's trying to take it. Before you try to raise it over your head, he's trying to take it while you're dribbling it. There's no space to do anything. So the first thing that pops to my mind is our big guys learn how to how to set a nice hard pick. And when I say set a pick, that means if you if you're going in. You got two numbers. The man you're picking has two numbers. After you finish picking, you have three numbers. He's missing one. You've got to make some serious contact and spring that guy open because any any player in, in Division One, if if you put me out there and say, I want you to play this player face-to-face, watch him, don't let him get the ball, they can do it. But if that guy, well, he, you cannot play a guy face-to-face and watch out for picks. So he gets hit with just one good pick. And all of a sudden, there's that split second your shooter needs to get a shot off. Because when our guys have their feet set, shoulders squared, what do they do? You know, exactly. And that's something that I've talked about all year. When you when you watch our big set screens, uh, they're, they're kind of just like, you know, as I said earlier, kind of two ships passing in the night. They're, they don't get into a good screening position. They don't put, like, bodies on bodies. Uh, you know, it's like they're trying to slip early. You yep. see them, like, turn sideways and get all kind of thin so they don't get drilled and uh uh and as a result as, as you mentioned yeah our, our guards aren't being able to get uh, aren't being able to be shook loose uh, for shots you know there's two ways obviously you get open you have a a guy who's a good one-on-one player like we had Matthias battle who can create space who can body guys off him, who can you know go over the top at six seven uh and then you got guys who are you know who are good stroke shooters who you know need a little gap to you know to get their shot off and those are guys who are good at coming off screens you know coming off uh, you know swing action transition action and those are things we just haven't been executing uh, and as as I look at this if you look at the silver lining there's there you know there's so much upside for this team because of uh, you know how poorly they're executing by tightening up some of these simple areas yep. you know they can make a huge difference I mean I tell you when they watch this film last night they're going to be shaking their heads going oh we could you know, this is a could have been a 10 point win they just you know executed so poorly in so many different areas well you know what if you think about it if you the first half they they played with everything they needed to do to win uh, and got into the second half and you have a little bit of inexperience you start getting some more aggressive defense uh, then you're not then guys are I've always said when 
when you're playing with, uh, you're not used to playing against aggressive defense, what do you do? You start trying to, instead of move the ball to get into your offense, you try not to be that guy that gets the ball taken away from him. It's, it's the same thing when you throw a bounce pass to a big guy when he's got four guys around him. Throw a bounce pass to the big guy, four guys around him, his, his goal has got changed from catching the ball and scoring as soon as possible to just catching the ball and not getting it stolen. Throw it in the right place, all of a sudden he's thinking about, okay, I'm going to dunk on this person and run down the court, wave at my mom, blow a kiss to my girlfriend. You know, it's, it's with, with aggressive defense, and everybody's seen it. Everybody's got video. They've seen that you pressure these guys and the easiest, uh, I always look for a solution that can be that can be a solution that big guys could do. Go in there and catch some catch somebody with their back turned, not looking, and hit them with a get them a, a good hard pick, and not only set that hard pick. Once you set that hard pick, because they they are not Danny, they're not looking. They will never see it coming. Right. It'll be like stepping off the curb in front of a bus. They'll get caught by that pick and take it one step further. When you pick that guy and you get your best score open, rolling to the basket, then keep the man you picked behind you. Never let him get back in front of you. And what happens then, you just created an opportunity for the best rebounder on the floor. So he gets a shot up, but even if he misses, you don't care because you're going to crash the boards and put it in. But you got to do that by holding, setting that good hard pick. So you set picks to get your teammate open and to put yourself in a favorable offensive position. Well, and, and as you know, Rosie, the easiest way to get yourself open is to go set a good screen. Absolutely. Right? The better the better wood I put on somebody, the more help my man has to give or even switch, uh, then I'm, I've got a, either a mismatch or I've got a, a roll opportunity. And so, you know, that's the other thing about setting good screens is it's it's actually better for you, uh, as, a, uh, you know, as trying to be the scorer on the play. Yes. And, and let's go to the other end because, you know, as you know, this team has thrived the last several years on – you know, relying on their defense to set up a lot of their offense. And, uh, you know, that's a case where they're, uh, you know, able to get steals, get, you know, uh, rebounds off transition, uh, pressure shots, you know, long shots turn into long rebounds, which start fast breaks. But last night I'm watching, in the, and for the whole second half, our guard line, you know, both uh, Buddy Beheim and, and uh, Joe Girard were putting almost no pressure on, on either of their guards. You know, I saw play after play where, uh, you know, their, their point guard, McCaffrey's out there at the top. He's, you know, like the quarterback who's who's throwing a pass, and he's got like five seconds in the pocket, just looking around, looking around, looking around with no pressure. And then finally he finds somebody for, for, a, for a bunny because, look, you can only guard so long with, you know, with your – your passer being that uh, you know that free to make passes, and I had an old coach, Del Harris, who used to, he used to <laughs> whenever you're guarding a guy with your hands down, he'd say, "What are you trying to hypnotize him? You know, you're staring <laughs> at him, trying to trying to hypnotize him. You know, get your hands up, get your hands in his face." And uh, you know, I just had no pressure from the front. Uh, and, and as we talked earlier, we I saw uh, uh, you know Garza in the back there just going you know, box to box and it's like they don't even know he's on the court it's just i mean it's just, there's just some real fundamental elements uh that they weren't executing last night if, you know if they can start you know putting these things together and and just cleaning up you know some of these real basic things i mean that's a 20 point swing in a game like this you know i it's funny you should say that because i, I noticed that uh, first thing that i noticed about the that uh i remember i commented on it before in other games that, that buddy and um and joe were when the when that when the guards had the ball out front and they were dribbling, they were moving the ball around. Joe was poking at it. Buddy was poking at it. They were they they were trying to you know get a hand in that passing lane. When they do that, 
when they, when they do that, it makes it, it puts the offense on defense. They're like, okay, I can't do what I'm supposed to do. I got to make sure this guy doesn't take the ball away from me. Exactly. Um, and and I noticed that uh, there was a there's I can think of two or three times where they just uh, in in inopportune moments during the game when they they shot for a steal and went four steps outside of the rotation and the ball came back in and you're five against four. Um, in, in those moments. You know, it takes a little bit of experience. When you, if you're not going to get the ball, I always say if you're going to shoot for that ball and you don't get the ball, hey, run the guy over. At least let him know you're not that delicate. So next time you come run out there, maybe he'll be a little bit hesitant because hey, if you don't get the ball, you'll get a little bit of him. Exactly. I, and, and you know, this is a difficult thing because you have a – uh, you know, two rookie point guards and the third point guard, Howard Washington, who's been out for two years. Uh, you have a sophomore and Buddy Beheim who are now having to play a defensive system. Uh, and, uh, you know, plus your point guards are offensive point guards, right? You have a Joe Girard who's, um, you know, made his living as a, uh, you know, an explosive scorer. Uh, now having to play into a, into a defensive scheme that's, that's, you know, that's markedly different than what you're used to. And comes with an intensity that you're not used to. We had the luxury uh, the last few years of having veteran guards on the top with uh, Frank Howard and, and Tyus Battle, guys who were you know, multi-year guys who un- really understood before that. Guys like Mike Benajay who, uh, you know, had the length. You know, you had you know, guys 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six at the point instead of, uh, you know, when you bring Bryson Goodine in, you've got 6'1", six, 6'1", one, six, one across the front. You know, it's a, that's a, a very big difference with the style of play. Uh, that Syracuse plays, and so I think they're going to have to look at you know making some either some defensive adjustments or, like I said, really pick up the pressure uh, you know from the top because that's where this defense starts. Yeah. It's pressuring the top. It's it's making strong rotations to you know to stop the overload, and then typically with a shot blocker in the middle, and and uh, you know that formula is a little bit off this year again because of rookies playing at key positions uh, that may not understand reflexively you know how, how this defense is supposed to operate it, it kind of it almost looks like uh, they might be uh, trying to think it through a little bit too much but one thing that I noticed uh, I started noticing it, it wasn't in the first half but in the second half was the uh, closeouts the closeouts mm-hmm. to everybody out everybody in the corners or the wings are, are out up top. All the closeouts were guys running towards the guy they were trying to stop. And you know as well as I do, when you have a player running at you, it's not if you're going to beat him, it's where you're going to beat him. Yeah, you own him. You got him. You own him. You really do. Um, they're so, supposed yeah, to be. I, again, so the, the silver lining here is they have to clean up some real fundamental execution things to. You know, to get things back on track here, you'll start with the basics. Yep. Uh, but again, that's a, that's a twenty point swing last night if they if they make those plays. So, uh, so we're gonna like I said, we had to work work hard, but we did find a little silver lining. So we're gonna keep keep pushing along. As you mentioned earlier, nobody's uh, uh, you know jumping off any bandwagons here. This is a you know long season. We got a lot of tough games to go. We threw guys in the deep end of the pool. Uh, you know, a lot of these young guys uh, you know coming in, but. Uh, you know, but but like I said, we've got uh, uh, we've got a, a nice a nice hill to climb, and I think we're going to end up uh, with a good product at the end. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break uh, with Roosevelt Bowie. I'm Danny Shays on Centers of Attention. We'll be back after this talking some NBA. This is Centers of Attention with a Tom Thomas and Danny Shays. 
And welcome back to Center of Attention. I am Danny Shays, and today we have Roosevelt Bowie sitting in for a Tom Thomas. And, uh, you know, Rosie, we always like to kind of keep up with also what's happening on the NBA level. There's, uh, uh, you know, been great stories. Of course, we, we follow our boy Carmelo now that he got picked back up with Portland, just came off uh, winning Player of the Week honors, uh, leading the team to a 3 0 week last week. Had a little rough with last night down in L.A. They've got the uh, Clippers Lakers back to back but uh, uh but it's great to see him back on the court and he's been he's been really balling well you know and i really like the fact that uh anytime especially a competitor like carmelo he just uh he just you know kept his head down let everybody know he wanted to play and just waited for an opportunity to go out there and i can't tell you how good it made me feel to see him out there because i inadvertently had walked by the walked by the television and the game was on and they were showing this they're showing a highlight and I and I, I remember saying to myself, "Man, this young boy went out there and he just." And I looked, I was like, "That's Carmelo." <laughs> he went baseline and just threw it down. Did a he did a chin up? I think he put his feet up on top of the backboard. He did something crazy. <laughs> but I was like, well, it, "Boy, he's so so motivated." And and people don't realize what it means to come back after being out for a year, play thirty plus minutes a night right in the starting lineup. You know, it took him, what, two or three games to get, you know, real rhythm. Now, you have, and then he went through a stretch averaging, you know, almost 23 points a game on an NBA level against defenses that are set up to stop you. And, uh, you know, and that's the part that you know, people just say, oh, well, whether he can still play or not, they don't know what's involved in staying in shape and being ready and, you know, being mentally ready and, you know, coming out and playing on uh, you know, that many minutes. You know, he's playing 30 plus minutes, uh, you know, basically coming out of gym class. You know, it, it's, it's so funny because be, uh, I, des- I decided I was going to retire and I you know, told everybody I just I, I stopped playing and then I came back home to the States here, left Italy and I and I and I. Um, so I'm uh, just relaxing, fishing, doing a bunch of stuff. And then I was looking at some business stuff, and I, and I called my agent. I said, you know, I need a contact in Switzerland. He goes, I'll get back to you. So about four days later, he gets back to me, and the contact says, that's great. I, I, I can be his contact, but I need a center. And I was like, oh, crap. So I went back, and I played for six months. Now, having taken six months off, I went back to play. I gave him my first game. And I dropped 39 points. And I walk into the locker room and I fell down on the floor and I just laid there because it was it where you, when you're on the court all the time, you can you just fall into a rhythm. It's just it comes naturally. But I had to think through everything that I did on the floor and smoke was coming out of my ears. So to to imagine Carmelo going out there and just doing it night after night after night, I remember saying you can turn the switch off. But turning the switch back on doesn't come. It doesn't do. It doesn't happen when you want it to. Well, and that's the other part. Is I I uh, tell people because this has come up a lot over the years. You know, with Michael Jordan retiring, then unretiring, or you know, guys they think like a Carmelo, uh, you know, who's playing maybe past his prime. Uh, look, you can't come back later and. You know, it's not like you can be a lawyer and you can take two years off or five years off and and you know do it till you're sixty. This is your chance to to play and and you know and and enjoy this lifestyle of of you know the competition and the camaraderie in the locker room and uh, you know every, you know all the other elements of it. And I never begrudge a guy who wants to play, even, know. you know, whether he's past his prime or not. You know, let him, you know, let him come back. Why am I saying, oh, he's not LeBron James anymore? He's not fill in the blank, uh, Kobe Bryant anymore? Eh, nonsense. I mean. You know, he's out there, he's enjoying, he's contributing. And like I said, once you're done, 
you're done. It is uh, really hard to even think about coming back or, you know, once that window's closed, there's no chance of coming back. So, so I'm just thrilled for him that he, you know, he gets this kind of overtime uh, part of his career. You know, hey, the the funny thing is, I've there there are there are a very few uh, special few people that can actually do that, and I I still remember that uh, you know Bob McAdoo played with Mike D'Antoni over in in Milan, and uh, they had a great run. They won championship after championship. And then so then Bob retires, and like two years later, I mean he retired. He was damn near forty then. So two years later, somebody said they wanted him to come back and play. His first game back, he drops forty four, and I'm and I'm just sitting. There's there's some there's some people that have that ability, and normally they're shooters, have that ability to come out and just uh, you know listen. To, all I'm doing different is nothing. I, I I shoot. I you know the defense might suffer a little bit, but if you're not playing defense anyway, what the heck? That's true. That's true. And. Uh, you know, for guys like you and me who were never much of a defender, you know, we could play forever. Listen. Well, and, <laughs> just kidding, because, of course, we were <laughs> defenders. But uh, And the thing for me is my game was never dependent on being athletic, right? I wasn't – I was hardly Dominique Wilkins. So right. when I got slow, nobody noticed. Yeah. And uh, I just, you know, maybe grabbed a little more jersey and held a little bit more and stepped on your feet a little more on the box outs. You know, use those old veteran tricks. Both shoelaces, and, uh, everything. <laughs> Exactly. But the, the other funny part is, you know, they say, oh, the oh, the legal will be done once Jordan's done. Nobody will be interested yeah. anymore. Well, how long does it take to have Kobe, then LeBron, then, you know, now those guys are getting older. Now you got a Luka Doncic coming in, lighting it up. you got Zion Williamson in the wings waiting to come back from injury. You know, so, uh, you know, the, league, the league's doing great. There's, uh, uh, I mean, Luka, my son luckily has him on his uh, fantasy team. And he goes, oh, I love Luke. He had, he had what, you know, 25 and 18 boards the other night. Point guard had 18 boards. Uh, career high, he's getting triple doubles. You know, lighten the league up. You got, uh, you know, Anthony Davis now you know, helping LeBron in L.A. You got Paul George and Kawhi. You know, there's, the stars just keep rolling, and it's, uh, it's fun to watch. So, so speaking of that, like I said, we had the Clippers. Uh, you know, now uh, in L.A., we got the big battle of L.A. The Lakers are, were here in Denver last night, and, uh, they had a little problem with the altitude. Anthony Davis had to get IV at halftime, uh, but he still put up 25 and 10. The Lakers snuck out with a victory, and now they, uh, I think they have Portland tonight. So, uh, so that Western Conference is uh, it's going to be a zoo. And you know the the, the funny thing you, you reminded me of something that my my coach used to tell me when I was in high school. Uh, he, he goes, uh, you know, just to keep yourself just keep your hum- keep yourself humble. He said, I want you to fill a bucket full of water. Put your fist in it, and when I say go, take your fist out. The hole that your fist leaves in that bucket is how long it'll take them to find another guy just as good or better than you. <laughs> There's never a hole. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, so, just, who are you following this year? Who's your uh, who's your who's your favorite team? You know what i i uh, I like to see uh, any team that has a big center on there uh, for some reason. <laughs> I like to see exactly. them. I like to see how they. How they're able to uh, to play. So uh, you know, LeBron has not always been the easiest guy to play with. He's very demanding, and I always I wanted to see what it would be like uh, for him to have a, a big a, a big dominant center there. You know, even though he had to get an IV, hey, you do what you have to do to to, to get through it. Um, and I'm uh, I'm enjoying what they're what they're putting out there. And Dwight Howard's having a resurgence there as the backup center. You know, they they signed Boogie Cousins. He got hurt. Uh, they picked up Dwight Howard, kind of uh, off you know what people thought was the scrap heap at the time, 
Uh, and he's having a great year. I mean, it's uh, you know, another guy who's having you know, having that kind of end of end of his career resurgence. You know, it it's it's always, you know, it all depends on how. Uh, I've always looked at uh, even where I went to play is who needed me the most and what they're willing to do, how their how the game strategy fit into what I wanted to do, where I was in my career. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. If you can, it's like it's like. Uh, it's chess. The chess pieces. You can put guys together that, and they respect one another. They buy into what the coach is selling, and all of a sudden you've got a brand new career. And it's just players learning how to adjust to different situations to accomplish a common goal. Exactly. And on that note, we're going to take our next break here on Centers of Attention. I'm Danny Shades. We have Roosevelt Bowie sitting in, and we'll be right back after this. This is Centers of Attention with Aton Thomas and Danny Shays. And welcome back to Centers of Attention. I'm Danny Shays. We have Roosevelt Bowie sitting in for Aton today. And, and Rosie, a couple of funny stories came up that, uh, that we get to this, our big finish here on the show we'd like to talk about. One was if you saw James Harden, they're playing a game against San Antonio, and he goes down uh, on a breakaway. He dunk, you know, he you know, does a one-handed dunk. But the ball gets caught in the net and swings the net around, and the ball ends up flying back over the rim and rolls out. And now nobody knew what to do. Was it a live ball? Did it count? Did it not count? And the refs completely blew the call. The rule is the ball has to pass through the net for it to count, Mm -hmm. which the ball clearly did. And I don't know how the refs screwed this up, but they end up disallowing the call. The Rockets lose a two-point game in double overtime, and now they're protesting that they want to, you know, to replay the game because of, of the missed call. You know what I, you almost, you got to be smart enough when that, when that call actually takes place to review it or make, make something said there. Cause once the game finishes and it's all said and done, you, I think it's a little bit too late. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they're going to do that, Put the, put the number back on the clock and, and off we go. Uh, so that's that's a funny one. So we're going to see how that one turns out. But that was clearly a blown call. But uh, but the other funny one I saw that they had a a big study on free throw defense, <laughs> and it got people shaking their head. And they even talked to uh, interviewed Billy Donovan, whose uh, his team didn't realize that. Uh, they play the worst free throw defense in the league, that the opposing teams shoot a really high percentage against them. And they talked a lot about how some guys, they wiggle on the on the side. They try to do anything to distract the shooter. You know, maybe right when the guy's ready to shoot, they yell over the coach, Coach, what, what play are we running? You know, something to distract. And, uh, you know, you were always that annoying kind of player. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I bet you did stuff like that. Listen, when I uh, – first of all, I pay you a little bit too much attention to details. So, you know, the majority of your right-handed players are right-eye dominant. So I would set up on the right-hand side of the court, and I flat-footed, I can reach nine feet, three inches, right? So I have these big white wristbands on on my, on, on my mahogany-colored skin, which stands out. <laughs> and so I put my hands up there, and just before when the player is getting into his, uh, his movement, just before he releases the ball, I drop both arms. And uh, you and it's got to be you know it's got to be a little bit annoying. But everybody has you know things they do. There are other guys that I know. When I was on the line, I, I used to want to smack them in the side of the head. When you're just releasing your free throw before it's out of your hand, good, they step over and they box you out on on the line. I would just like throw them on the ground. 
but it's still it's a distraction. <laughs> well, that's the point, right? I mean, you try and get every advantage you can. When I was with the Denver Nuggets, we were the you know the highest scoring team in, in the NBA at the time. We ran guys up and down, and and somebody did a study and figured out that we had we played the best free throw defense in the league. Team shot like five percentage points lower against us than against uh, you know the league average. And they kind of dug into it, and they realized that because the pace we played and at the altitude in Denver, the teams were just tired. And so naturally, they get to the line, and their you know, legs are tired, arms are heavy, and they would you know, just shoot a lower percentage. So another advantage is that you know, we played great free throw defense. They just have too much time on their hands to try to figure these things out, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> well, Rosie, it was great having you on today. Uh, we will be doing this quite often, actually, and, uh, uh, and we'll be back tomorrow here on Centers of Attention. I'm Danny Shades with Roosevelt Bowie. We'll see you tomorrow.